your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95. The Irish Medical Organisation says the revelations about failures in the CAMS service in Kerry are shocking and an, an inevitable result of underfunding in mental health services. The comments come on the back of a damning HSE review which found hundreds of children in South Kerry were exposed to significant harm. We're joined by Professor Matthew Sadler, who's a consultant psychiatrist and IMO consultant committee member. Good morning to you, Matthew. You're very welcome to the programme. Good morning, Gillian. So I think a lot of people were pretty shocked with what the revelations about what happened in South Kerry. And, you know, these are young, vulnerable children and they were over medicated. And it all at the end of the day came down to. Well, first of all, I'll ask you, what do you think it came down to well, say I, I'm. I'm. We're, we we feel that this is the uh, the result of a of a systems failure and a long-standing systems failure, and that it has got to do with the our inability to recruit and retain highly qualified specialist staff to do highly qualified specialist work in our mental health services. Um, our mental health services, on an international norm, are significantly underfunded compared to the rest of the health service with only about 5.5% of the budget going to mental health, which compares to most countries, it's much closer to 10% of the budget going to mental health. And if you don't have, if you're unable to recruit, unable to retain highly specialised consultant staff on a permanent basis, you run the risk of, you know, deficits in quality assurance and deficits in in patient care. So we will feel that this is a long-standing systems problem in the service. We have, as a country, an amazing ability to produce, I, I always describe them as utopian-type service plans for how services are going to be delivered without an operational plan as to whether or not this is feasible. So the me- structure of mental health, which is to have dispersed mental health teams in primary care centres in you know dispersed across the country, we know that it has become very difficult to recruit staff into community settings, and it is very difficult to recruit consultant staff since there was a specific cut in consultant salaries in 2012. We are significantly less competitive in regards to recruitment on both terms, conditions, and other working practices than other English-speaking countries who are our main competition for staff. And and both of you, all that comes together, you know, you, that sets the tinderbox for the potential for a, an event like what we saw. What's your instinct about other CAM services, including Limerick? Are further investigations needed? Well, I believe there is a national audit taking place. I mean, I would like to reassure all your listeners that, you know, the vast majority of services delivered by the HSE are at a very high standard and on international norms compare very well. So, you know, I don't suspect that there is a, you know, similar issue somewhere else. But can I say 100%? No, obviously I can't say 100%, you know, um, and that would... But what we are talking more about is in putting into structures into the services to ensure that, you know, that any problems that happen get identified early, get corrected early, and that we have proper quality and assurance. One of the main things that we have asked, and we've been asking for this as long as I'm around, and I'm around about 20 years, is a proper electronic patient record. Because as most people who have been to the health service know, in Ireland, most health records are done on paper. Your prescription comes as a piece of paper that 
you know, a counterfoil is kept in the note. Now, that makes reviewing prescription patterns, you know, very difficult over a long uh, time. The other issue I'll say is, and what we've also called for, is that, you know, with our mental health services, we do feel that the kind of medication management side of mental health has been a little bit lost, that there has been a, an absolutely appropriate focus on talking therapies and psychological intervention. But what has maybe been lost in the wash a bit on that is the proper support for good prescribing practice, like integrated pharmacists into the service, like the provision of blood tests and other diagnostic equipment into mental health services, because we know some of these medications, both to children and adults and older adults, have side effects that need to be monitored and our teams are just not equipped with this monitoring equipment. Can I just get a hold on what you're trying to say there because I'm a little unsure about it. Are you saying or recommending or encouraging that pharmacists should have a greater role in prescribing? No, that you have integrated pharmacists into mental health teams. So you have a role called a clinical pharmacist who will be attached to a mental health team who would be able to advise on prescribing practice who would be able to, you know, audit what is the prescriptions that have been happening by the team. So this would be a different role to a community pharmacist. Okay. This would be more akin to a hospital-based. So in most hospitals, they have a hospital-based pharmacy department who will conduct audits as to what is being prescribed and will be able to pick up any unusual prescribing patterns um, and be able to investigate. Now, sometimes unusual prescribing patterns are absolutely appropriate if you have a you know, if you have a specialist palliative care service, you know, you're going to prescribe more painkillers than if you don't, for example. Um, so that's what we would be looking for is integrated clinical pharmacy into mental health teams who will be able to have that quality assurance and that role and improve the quality of our prescribing. Okay, so as you mentioned, this review is taking place. This is the Mental Health Commission has confirmed that the Inspector of Mental Health Services is going to review all the child and adolescent mental health services. I mean, what purpose, I suppose, what should they be looking at? And that review is going to show what you're saying, that there aren't enough resources, I would think. You know, I mean, what is the point of the review, is what I'm getting at, if they don't give more resources at the end of it? Well, 100%. And there's two issues to that. There is resources and structure. And, you know, we know that there are salaries there sitting in the HSE's account ready to be paid to doctors, but there are services where we can't recruit doctors to work in them for various reasons. And we need to look at not just, yes, the service needs more money. There's no doubt about that, and I am not saying that. But also we need to look at the structure. We need to look at why is it difficult to recruit people into more peripheral locations than it is to recruit people into more central locations. And maybe we need to change the model of delivery if, you know, if we can recruit better quality services in a more central location, then maybe we might need to have another look at the ambition to provide services in a more peripheral manner, you know, and and look at maybe doing it in a different way. So I, I would be keen that this review takes consideration of both the resourcing, but also the structure. Because as I said at the start, we're very good in this country at developing ideas for how to develop a service without properly following through on the reality of, is this possible? You know, will we recruit staff to work in this environment 
will we be able to retain staff in this environment? And I think we need to look at both sides of that coin. Yeah, and I, I think the retention of staff is a really important one because having had some experience myself with the CAM service in Limerick, I know, you know, people come and go. And maybe that's down to salary. I don't know what it is. But if you have a child attending a service, they really need that continuity of of consulting with the same person who understands and learns more about them as as the process continues. We're joined by Ken Kilbride as well, who's CEO of ADHD Ireland. Good morning to you, Ken. Morning, Gillian. How are you? I'm good. Uh, obviously, you must be concerned about what we learned about um, the CAM services in, in Kerry. You in particular are concerned about children that do have ADHD, and that's quite a large number that attend CAMs. Oh, certainly we know that, you know, um, and certain reviews have shown that 30 to 50 percent of all children going through the CAM service um, are there for ADHD assessment and treatment. And um, so obviously just we would see ourselves not saying have a vested interest. Um, but, you know, um, any outcomes coming out of a, um, this um, analysis and review would certainly impact on people with ADHD and their services going forward. So we would certainly call on the Mental Health Commission uh, when they're putting this review together. And as they said themselves, this review of the 72 teams uh, should have in its terms of reference and scope agreed and overseen by independent experts. And our view on that is, you know, the independent experts are on ADHD are people with ADHD, you know, the parents and adults with the condition. And so we would be very strongly calling to make sure that the Mental Health Commission make sure that the voice of people with ADHD are heard in this review going forward. What has been the general rea- reaction of parents of children with ADHD to what came out about South Kerry? Well, again, we run a support line. You know, we, we get about 5,000 calls a year. Um, and, you know, we've been getting calls, obviously, in the last two weeks. And, you know, and people say, look, about 80% to 90% of our calls are people, you know, just looking, how do I get assessed? How do I get treatment? Uh, so we would operate as a signposting service for the HSE, particularly into the CAM service. And so, obviously, when we've talked to them over the last two weeks and say, well, look, you go to your GP, you get a referral to CAMS. And there has been he- hesitance in the last two weeks, and people going, I'm not really sure I want to go to CAMS. Um, and that's obviously going to be problematic going forward. So there is, um, uh, forgive me if you're in the market term, but there's a branding issue going forward um, in terms of the CAMS service. And, you know, there's other things, you know, ongoing. You know, I took calls yesterday from parents um, just across the road from uh, Limerick there in another county. But, you know, they're saying... CAMS just simply didn't have the resources and they were turning them away. They were turning them away nicely, but they were turning them away. And so there's an awful lot more to be done to get this service back on track. Yeah, and Matthew, what's really worrying is we're, we've been warned for quite some time now that we're facing a tsunami in terms of a mel- mental health crisis in this country because of the pressures that people have faced um, throughout the pandemic and what children have missed out on. And, you know, even GPs will tell you that... Uh, a large number of people who come into them are coming in with mental health issues. And yet you're saying 5% of the budget's going in that direction. It doesn't seem to make any sense. Have, have you any confidence that the government will step up and increase that funding based on what we're facing into? Um, I, I, I suppose, look, it, uh, whether I have confidence or not is a very interesting question. That, But it, it's more that we just have to do it. And I'm very hopeful that they are, will do it. Now, you've touched on a very interesting point, which is, you know, the delivery of mental health care in primary care. And certainly speaking to our GP colleagues within the IMO, you know, GPs are in an excellent position to provide 
in fact, probably the vast majority of mental health care, especially when it is, you know, based around that stress and, and distress sort of difficulties, but they need to be supported. And if we had a proper counselling in primary care and also access to the concept of social prescribing in primary care, where you might have different sports groups, you might have activity groups, because we know one of the big problems in our society at the moment is loneliness. And, you know, we know what it is, sort of dissatisfaction with life and people who have difficulty with, you know, goals and focus. So it's not only just that concept of offering one-to-one counselling, it is also offering you know, social prescribing, which you find in the NHS and in other services. And if that is empowered in primary care, it will actually help to reduce the number of referrals that are going to secondary care, so our services will not get overwhelmed as they are now. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, Matthew, because you're you're the second person in the programme to mention that kind of thing. We were hearing earlier on that... um a study from UL has shown that young carers suffer higher levels of depression uh, than other young people and they have found that by mixing with others that those symptoms are alleviated. And that, that whole social side of things, what we've missed out on over the last two years is so important for people's mental health. Absolutely. And I would say that in my career, the, one of the best interventions I saw was a pilot project. I, I work up in Dublin at the moment, um, where it was run in conjunction with the FAI, where there was mental health service users were, you know, did a, a soccer training course for six weeks. And the results we saw from it, from the people who attended it was, I, I cannot, I cannot say in words how life affirming and changing it was. So, you know, that's the sort of interventions that are eminently possible. I know other sporting organisations would be very keen to get involved with those sorts of things. And they're the excellent projects that are able to do at a community level, at that primary care level, that will give people a purpose, will allow them that space to ventilate their stress and feelings. And as you say, mix with others, you know, remove the loneliness, give them something to look forward to that actually can often, you know, avoid people being referred to specialist services, which allows the specialist services to focus on the people who have, you know, more severe mental illness or mental health disorders. And Ken, I would imagine most parents would welcome those kind of solutions to problems as opposed to medication. Well, what we would say just in terms of ADHD, and ADHD itself will exist on a spectrum which is mild, moderate or severe, um, so if you're mild, medication's probably not indicated. Um, but for moderate or severe uh, ADHD, a multimodal treatment would be uh, appropriate. Um, and that's a combination of medication and the other therapies. So you're talking about you know, the behavioural management, speech and language therapy, OT, things like that. Medication by itself will not solve ADHD. Um, or, so you certainly need the, uh, the additional support there through the behavioural management and the other things as well. Um, and one of the questions, just, in, just for Matthew more than anything else, would be, um, and you're talking about primary care and secondary care there, is that, you know, one of the difficulties and resistance that parents do face out there is having their GP involved in the medication. There's huge resistance among GPs out there in Ireland uh, to get involved in prescribing the medication or upkeeping the medication here in Ireland at the moment. And that's one of the big challenges that we also face. W- would you agree with that, Matthew? Um, I would, and I know that our GP members have brought up that with the introduction of the Chronic Disease Management Programme in general practice, which has been revolutionary for diabetes and hypertension and a number of other physical disorders, that maybe a number of mental health disorders could be added into that. And that allows the GP more time and resources 
um, and a structured care program where they can, you know, interact and, and stay with patients. Now, I have to say, your, your other guest, whose name, unfortunately, has, has escaped me, like, Ken, I could not agree. Ken. I can, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with Ken more in what he's saying. Medication is, is an important part of the solution to most, to many mental health problems, but it is not by itself the only solution. And we have to be able to develop the other therapies. And quite often, talking therapies, which are really important, and I in no way want to be seen to be talking them down. But what also has been lost in our mental health service is that provision of speech and language therapy, dietitians, even physiotherapy, you know, and exercise. And, per- and we know that in mild to moderate depression, actually going on a, a, a well-supported exercise you know, kind of fitness weight loss program for six weeks can be as beneficial as starting an antidepressant. We know in somebody with mild to moderate depression who is a smoker or a heavy smoker, actually stopping smoking can be as beneficial as an, as an antidepressant. So there are, there are many ways of, of treating these disorders. They can be treated in primary care, but you need the resources. You need the creativity to come up with the answers and you also need the service delivery. So we will be hopeful that any review of mental health services doesn't just focus on the bottom line of money, but also focuses on the service and how the services are being delivered. Well, I know it's an issue that's of concern to many of our listeners here. So we'll be keeping a very close eye on what that review uh, finds. And uh, we'll probably come back to you at that point, Matthew, to get your opinion on it. Uh, that's Dr. Sorry, Professor Matthew Sadler, who's a consultant psychiatrist and IMO consultant committee member and also Ken Kilbride, CEO of ADHD Ireland. Thanks for joining us on Limerick Today this morning. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today. With Gillian Devlin, in for Joe Nash on Live 95.